0: This episode of the Refuse to Lose podcast is brought to you by My Muscle Chef. My Muscle Chef delivers healthy meals right to your door for every body shape and every goal. With over 50 plus recipes to choose from and delivering to over 4,500 suburbs Australia wide. All you have to do is follow the link in the episode description now or head to our website, RefuseToLosePodcast.com and check out their full menu. And of course, make sure you use the code WELCOME20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first order. This episode is also brought to you by Shaver Shop. Shaver Shop is also having a sale right now, which you do not want to miss, stocking everything from electronic shavers to skin, hair, beauty, and oral care products for both him and her. Make sure you follow the link within the episode description or via our website, refuse to RefuseToLosePodcast.com, and get in before the sale runs out. Today's episode is with Australian boxing sensation, Paul Showtime Fleming. And if you haven't seen or heard from Paul before, and you're wondering why they call him Showtime, you'll quickly learn when listening to this chat. Like all great fighters, he can absolutely talk the talk, but most importantly, he can back it up when he gets in the ring. I met Paul recently while I was working for Main Event this year, and I interviewed him in the ring after his latest victory. His post-match interview was so funny and not only went viral, but also made me want to learn more about this very unique character. Paul is a proud indigenous man from far north Queensland who has battled far more than just opponents in the ring to get where he is today. He survived domestic violence, severe illiteracy, ADHD, mental health issues and a whole range of other issues throughout his life. It derailed what has always been a very promising boxing career that took him all the way to the Olympics as an amateur back in 2008. But after all that, he is now back and more focused than ever and pushing towards that shot at a world title. He's one of the deepest thinkers I've ever spoken to on this podcast, and for a man that couldn't read or write until his mid-twenties, his view on the world is far more educated and informative than a lot of other people I've met who are supposedly highly educated. So I really hope you enjoy my chat with Paul Showtime Fleming. Paul Showtime Fleming, welcome to the Refuse to Lose podcast, brother. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me out here in uh, your local community of Penrith.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. Here. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for the feed as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. We had a bit of a,
1: a Nando's feed and a little yeah. bit of... A... no no forks and knives no. too. All fingers, all fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, awesome. True, uh, true Blackfella style. That's you know? it, yeah. hey, that's it.
0: And the, uh, the last time uh, we spoke was actually at your last fight at... Uh, on the undercard of Tim Zoo, you fought a guy named Tyson Landry. You won comfortably, and then I was in the ring with you afterwards, and, and this is what you said to me. Take a listen. I'm
1: going to eat some ice cream, some chocolates, some waffles. I might go to the Easter show, spend all my purse at the Easter show. on the family. And if any of you is at the Easter show and you want to feed,
0: come see me. I'll shout you. <laughs> so you were going to the Easter show? That was your plan? Yeah. Yesterday? we were supposed to do this yesterday but you 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 rang me and you said i'm at the easter show today yeah so what did anyone hit you up did you spend all
1: your purse i did no (laughs) i didn't i didn't spend all my purse i um i think i might have over exaggerated a little bit there um yeah the wife wouldn't be too happy with that but um we spent some of it we spent some of it we got through some of it and yeah i ran into a few guys and uh you know, I sent him up to uh, a little little burger joint out here in Penrith, Burgerhead, that I'm working with now a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I I sent him up there for a free like Showtime uh, Showtime meal deal. So, yeah, is there a Showtime
0: meal deal? Is well, they
1: well, they well, bloody is now, isn't there? I just <laughs> I, I threw him in the deep end. I'm like, just go up there, say Showtime sent you, so you know, <laughs> they come up with some sort of a meal deal. So, but um, yeah, no, it was a bit of fun, and uh, you know, we got a little bit of. A little bit of clicks on it, a little bit of views and that. So that's a that's the whole thing about it, you know. That's what I set out to do was, you know, set a little bit of a different tone and be a little bit different to everyone else. And I think I accomplished that. I think you did too. Well, let's talk about the
0: fight for a start. I mean, you—I was sitting ringside and I watched, and you were nursing that left hand like it was looked like it was gone, and you basically finished him off with your non-dominant hand, your right hand. Tell me yeah. about what was happening during the fight.
1: Yeah, no. I think um, I think it was in the third. I haven't watched the fight back fully yet. I've watched the little bits and pieces, but I think it was in the third, maybe fourth, the third, fourth, or something. Um, I, I threw a left, and he kind of dipped out the way, and I hit with my, you know, my pinky and my ring finger on the side of the head. And you know, any boxing, uh, any boxer out there, anyone that's throwing a punch knows that hitting the hard part of the head with them two floating knuckles isn't the best. Uh, not always the best outcome and yeah for a few rounds it was really sore and you know I guess um, I was still throwing it at times but then I went more lead hand dominant which is never a bad thing you know to, to get that lead hand working and that so but um, I managed to get the job done and uh, get him out of there and look good doing it so yeah, it was good. How's the hand now? Yeah, it's still not a hundred percent. I went and had scans in that, and there was no fracture or no break. So that that's a that's always a positive thing. Um, so just um, we just we'll just roll into it and see how it goes. And you know, like I said, you can never work that lead hand uh, more and get more efficient with that lead hand. It's always the it's always the the you know the the weapon of choice should be for every boxer is that lead hand. So it just gives me more time to sharpen up that lead hand. So it
0: was it was very impressive and just quickly but what's your what's your next plan what what do you see moving forward now in the next couple of months for your for your boxing
1: um i've been talking to my team uh the dream fighters and jared my main my main uh, i guess you would call him the captain he does he does everything uh training and you know getting the fights and lining them up so he's the he's the captain of the Dreamtime machine and uh yeah me and jared had a talk we're starting back this week and um you know, start rolling back into it, and we're looking to go in a June, July, and then and then another one at the end of the year. So, yeah, there'll be four fights within a year. So that's 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 a lot more active than I've been in the last fair few years. So pretty happy with that. Yeah,
0: I want to get into your boxing career a little bit later, and and your kind of your career so far and what your ambitions are moving forward. But I, we like to start with a bit of fun on this podcast. yeah. Like yeah to, here we go. Uh, get into some random questions. Okay, here we go. Off the top, if you could fight in one fight in history, what fight would it be? And it's not you, you get to replace one of the fighters and be one of those fighters. Who, who
1: who are you being and what fight? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Oh, gee whiz. Maybe, maybe Manny Pacquiao in the last Marquez fight and not get knocked out with that right hand. Yeah, because <laughs> he got cleaned up. It was probably the that, 12th round. You know round what? You know what? I think after all the fights that were close and people can say like, oh, Marquez got that one and Marquez got that one. and And I think that for Marquez was... It just put all them other ones to bed. And I'm a Pacquiao fan, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll go for the South Ball. I'm a big Pacquiao fan, but I guess in Marquez's head and, and me being Marquez, I just think them fights that I thought I should have won, I should have won, I should have won, won, and then to get that last one where you not only beat him but put him to sleep like that, that would just set all your your feelings at ease about the past and that, you know, that would put the icing on the cake for you. So but you want to be
0: Marquez or you want to be... Make we'll money and and not get knocked out. I
1: don't know. I'd like to be both of them in that. <laughs> situation. Either either way, if I knew that punch is going, maybe slip outside of that and move my head a fraction. But hey, if I Marquez, it's a Marquez situation. He rode away on the the golden pony. But then in Pacquiao's situation, you'd be like, oh well, I beat him that many times before. So you win win in every situation if you're many or all Marquez, really, I guess. So and then and then after that, for many to come back and then beat Keith Thurman and. And it's, he's crazy. You know, many fighters have, you know, had them loss. He's had multiple losses in his career, and some of them big. Like, that Marquez loss was a big one yeah, a on a big stage. And then he comes back, and then he beats Keith Thurman, an undefeated fighter. He's, rid- he's ridiculous. He is a once-in-a-lifetime generation fighter, that is. And for what he's done, man, is crazy. Yeah, okay. All right. That's, that's, an, that's a big
0: fight. I was, I was trying to guess in my head where you'd go, what you'd either pick. Either, either. Yeah. Either, either.
1: Depending yeah. on who I was on the day.
0: Um, all right. So you're a bit of an artist yourself, and we'll get yeah. into that uh, a little bit later. But if you could paint someone in history and meet them as well, so you get to paint them and sit with them and, then, and talk to them, who would
1: you choose to paint? Jesus? Jesus. Jesus to yep. see whether the hype's real. Yeah,
0: I, I always say that too when people say who would you meet if someone was living dead. I'd, I'd go Jesus because I'd like to know
1: is I've it got real? so many questions. Yeah, is, so, it real? Yeah, is it is real? Is this are you? Are we? Is this it? Is we the is there a one creator that created everything and a you his son? That would be a question because right now I wouldn't say I'm religious. I'm not religious. I'm not I'm not an atheist i'm kind of a spiritualist i kind of i kind of think that there's something out there other than this and i'd like to just i'd like to know my faith says that there is but i'd like to know with a hundred percent that there was something and what that something was and i guess jesus is a big is a big point in that like it's a big that's a big question so yeah, that's someone. I'd, that's someone I'd like to, so and paint- to see whether he was black or white. He did. <laughs> he, did he did come from the Middle East. Yeah. So if he was blonde hair, blue eyed, then that'd be super strange.
0: Yeah, they have kind of uh, gentrified him a little bit. He's a bit. I don't know. Bit, it, a bit lighter it, it,
1: than he probably would have
0: been. Uh, maybe, life, maybe. Yeah. Uh, all right. Final question. Uh, who would play you in a movie about your life? And what would that movie be called? What would the title of it be called? Summing up your life, I guess.
1: Oh, who would play me? Oh, Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Hart in his first serious role. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like uh, I'll stick with that one for then, but um oh, and what would it be called? Um Gotta have like a, I guess, a catchy title. Like, yeah, yeah. man, the, what would the, it be? The, the Paul Fleming story, um, like Ricky Bobby, the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Showtime Fleming, the the road to glory. The road, oh, to, the glory. road to glory. That's okay. uh, yeah. not bad. No, well, I don't want that. You know, the way I maybe look at long it, maybe the long road to glory. The long road yeah, to glory. You, yeah, you know, you're the... the long road. That is, I like that. But you know what I'm like. Despite the boxing and the career and stuff and what I've managed to achieve, I've still, I like I said, I have still got many pages in the book to write yet. I think, and uh, you know, boxing has been a big page, and but I've got stuff that I do outside of boxing, and and um, I'm constantly evolving as a human being and uh, kind of learning and 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 kind of manifesting so I think there's a lot more things I've yet to do so yeah the long road to glory is and the glory like I said the glory may not be the box and we're hoping it's the box and I'm chasing that glory but you know for me just to even have a platform to be able to talk and have these opportunities and and have these chances and, you know, fighting to, to be able to fight and do what I do best and fight, you know, I'm just lucky to be here and lucky that I have this team and, you know, Dreamtime Fighters and Jared and, and all, all the team and all my sponsors that have helped me and to, you know, revitalise myself and, and, and give it one last big crack and I'm, I'm really lucky at that. I'm yeah. really lucky for that.
0: You're a proud Indigenous man and we'll, we'll get into in your, your philosophy around being an Indigenous man uh, a little bit later, but I want to start, for the people that don't know the Paul Fleming story, uh, where did you come from, what's your, your story from going back to, to your childhood?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a small place called Tully, well, out, outside of Tully, it's uh, far north Queensland between t- Townsville and Cairns, Like basically nearly smack bang in the middle between Townsville and Cairns. And um yeah, I grew up in on fourteen acres out in the middle of the bush, you know, away from everything and uh yeah, I had a real real kind of simple life, you know what I mean? Like I, I just played outside heaps. I was a real bit of a lonely kid and uh you know, I had like I had a lot of uh things I had to overcome as a kid, you know, like a lot of things that I don't really understand, didn't really understand at that time, but I understand a lot a lot more now and it helps me, you know, with my platform to be able to you know, talk with kids and connect with it but I went through a lot of domestic violence as a child and I experienced a lot of that and I watched a lot of that and was witness to a lot of that and uh, all through my life and yeah not really understanding that and as well as not really understanding what it is to be a black fella and always knew, knew I was one and mum was one but never really never really knew what it was and yeah it's just been a over the years kind of breaking free from that, learning about that and kind of coming to deal with that and, you know, realising that, you know, your upbringing and your life doesn't define you and you can always be better than your past. And, you know, my main concern now is, uh my family and being the the most positive role model. You know what I've come to realise is uh, there's no use trying to change the world of your household shit, you know what I mean? And, and at the end of the day as long as my house and my family uh, are good and set and you know I can be a I'm a leader to them first before anyone else and I got four boys so I got four young male role models leaders that I'm kind of you know that i'm responsible for i'm responsible to make make them turn them into you know the next generation of leaders and positive you know positive role models within their community and then i've got a daughter who's going to be another strong indigenous woman and uh you know i've got my wife who's you know she's non-indigenous but she kind of knows and accepts and is kind of grown with us and we've grown with her together and in, in this kind of thing and you know, we're in a really good space mentally in our house and that's only going to help us and help the community more and, you know, next generation of leaders. So,
0: How tough was that uh, as a child to kind of to go through that? But and, and as you said, like, your young boys have great support now in, in you as a parent, but yourself probably might not have had that. How tough was it to learn and, 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 and see the world like that when you don't really understand it?
1: Well, that's the thing. You don't really understand it, so I didn't. I didn't really understand what I was, what I was going through, and what I was witnessing, and what I was seeing. Like, I didn't really, I didn't really know because you never know what it's like but behind other people's doors. And when you're a young child, that's only really experienced what you've experienced in your household. You kind of think that maybe that's normality. Maybe that's just like you know, there's different levels. I I, I used to think there was different levels of it. But it was just normality until I went over my friend's house and seen how his mum and dad interacted and his family interacted. And I was like, whoa. And I felt really strange and alienated in the situation. And I was like, whoa, this is super strange. And then I kind of realized like, wow, them families that you see on movies and stuff, and you can actually have a family like that. And then, you know, as I got older, I started kind of, Sticking up for my mum a lot more, and then me and my father started clashing a lot more. And you know, I kind of got out of there when I was 16. And lucky I had boxing to escape from, and that's why I'm so thankful for it because if I didn't have boxing, I would have had nowhere to escape to, I would have kind of been trapped in that situation. But because I had boxing, and um, I was able to go and pursue that. And you got to realize, like, a lot of people don't know I was illiterate until I was in my 20s, I couldn't read, I never passed a grade in my life couldn't read my whole life and that's another really massive thing that I kind of had to overcome as well so I go into this world where I only had boxing and nothing else to fall back on and kind of gave me tunnel vision because I wasn't like other fighters I wasn't other, like other people that had you know money from their family or a good supportive family and that and uh, you know dad took me to the tournaments and that but other than that there wasn't really much support at home there was no nothing like that so yeah we went well off and we just I just struggled through and got myself to a stage where I could, you know, flee the nest and try and give it a red hot crack. Geez, I can talk a lot. So. Yeah. No, 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 mate. I ramble. A, I, go, I right. don't want to. I don't want to. No, you're uh, right, brother. People don't want to hear from me, brother. They want to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, no. So, so. Um,
0: I guess. So the education stuff. Did you? Did you just not go to school? Were you not enrolled in school? What, what was the?
1: What was? I, the- I had bad ADHD my whole life and. It was kind of a thing, like I found out I had ADHD really young, and there was like, oh, you have ADHD, and pause, question mark, question mark, dot, 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 there was nothing, like there was, you know, sometimes I got taken out of class to do a couple of things, but there wasn't no therapy, not like it is now, like we're talking back in the 90s, there was. it wasn't like it is now, and uh, i would still get the whole naughty kid thing, still get the whole like sit out on the stairs kid, like, oh, you're just a naughty kid, and it's a literal disability. It's a, it's, it's. You know, you get NDIS funding. My my son has it as well, so we get NDIS funding to help him through therapies. We go to therapies twice a week with my son, and I never had any of that. And my mum and dad didn't really know how to teach me, and there wasn't much known about it that much. Well, if they knew about it, they certainly weren't teaching people about it, and I struggled my whole life. Like I just. But the ADHD never, like, you never dwelled on everything and everyone's like, oh, how did you deal with that? When the people that I do talk about it, they're like, how did you deal with it? And I'm like, ADHD doesn't give you a chance to think about it. You don't dwell. You just, you just, because you're constantly distracted because you've got attention deficit disorder, you don't dwell. You know, you're just like, oh, you see, you know, you get flogged by your dad and that and then you go away and you sulk for a little bit and then you're like, oh playstation or oh i'm gonna kick the footy and then you're completely distracted and that's the same thing with education like i couldn't i couldn't concentrate like i couldn't concentrate there was no other ways they don't have time in the classroom to teach five different people five different ways of learning you know they only have the if you get left behind you get left behind and i just got left behind and i never caught up and you know i taught myself to read when i was in my 20s you know and now i'm now i'm you know a businessman like i'm i'm i send these big emails to these big companies and you know it's, it's crazy i never thought i'd be here so I, I i found an interesting
0: point that you just made there that the adhd i guess in a way was maybe a blessing in disguise a little bit the way that it helped you kind of deal with some of the, the trauma in your childhood like you as you said you just you just moved on like you didn't think too much about it you just Oh, well, on to the next thing, even though these no these things could probably really stick with people or young kids, but you've probably, in a way, just brushed it because that was how your mind was made up.
1: Yeah, like, just having that real, like, with the thing with ADHD is when you get that tunnel vision, when you get that thing that you're concentrating on or that thing that you can put your energy into, you just go tunnel vision with it, and, you know, and and that's the same thing with things that you you just you're not into you just can't concentrate and or or things like that you know hard things sad things like i used to think like it was only up until recently i used to think that the main goal was to be happy all the time in every situation and it was only up until like late adulthood that i'm like no it's you gotta have that wave that equal wave not too big not too small either side like it's okay to feel not okay it's not a bad thing. You're not a bad person. It's not bad to feel bad. It's a natural feeling to feel bad and disappointed and crappy and it's okay. And no you're not it's okay that you're not going to feel awesome and happy and be in the mood every single second of the day. And I always used to think that that was the main goal is to feel that happy just that e happiness all the time but it ain't. It's about having that equal that you know homeostasis man This up and down the same you know keeping that wave as 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 less pointy as possible if you understand what i'm saying yeah, absolutely
0: i do i think you're 100 right have you got a uh, a psychologist degree or something <laughs> oh
1: man like i've gone through i've gone through a lot over the last two years man a lot of growth and and a lot of um understanding and my wife suffers with um we just found out after 12 years my wife suffers with a chronic illness she's got lyme disease and 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 dealing with that with five kids and and not knowing what that is to now be told that and all the struggling we went through for 12 years and then you know everyone's everyone's got their own their own kind of uh skeletons their own issues everyone's got their own issues in in everyday life and you know it's just about trying to balance them as much as possible and be there for your family and that and yeah it's been a tough it's been a tough couple of years of growth and learning as a as becoming a man i don't think i've you know what i think i'm more of a man now than i was when i was 20s mid 20s late 20s i think that 30 mark is just it's just it's a different you're different then, you know. You think you're a man when you turn 18. You're so not a man when you turn 18. You were so, so not a man when you're 18. Legally and, and and legally, paperwork-wise, you're a man, but you're not. You're not a. You're not a man until you're uh, until you've gone through them things. 18 year old doesn't make you a man. I guess you
0: probably had to be, but right, like you, you had to be. You said you left home at 16. You know, you things with your father. Or your family, maybe got physical. You're suggesting like you had to grow up pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I did. I did, and I think I think you take on the responsibilities of a of an adult when you're 18. But I, don't, I really don't think you really know the full impact you have at 18 on your life and how you can really mess it up. I don't think you really understand at 18 years old, like things like even small things, like if you never had the education on it, your credit history, I, I rule my credit history when I was little, I'm, I'm, when I was younger, I'm, and I said little, I was 18, but when I was younger, I rule my credit history, I'm, I'm, I'm nearly got it back to where, you know, they'll start loaning me money again now, and I'm 30, but. You know, not having that education about it. And that's something small. That's something small. Like, I can fix that up. What about the things that you can't fix up? That you're given, like, if you're not living at home and you're an 18, year, 18 years old and you're given these responsibilities and you don't fully understand or you can't fully comprehend these responsibilities that you're given at 18 years old, I really don't think you do. I really honestly don't think you do.
0: When did you start educating yourself
1: uh probably when I was about 21 I started taking a little bit more seriously like my reading and and kind of understanding of things and my kind of broadening my information sort of that that I was that I was exposing myself to like I started doing that a lot more when I was uh 21 and then I didn't get my learners until I was like twenty five, twenty four, twenty five, because that's when I could fully. I, I went about three or four times when I was younger, failed every time, and because I couldn't understand what I was reading. But I un when I was you know twenty four, I kind of really got into reading and watching things a lot more because I, I struggle reading, but um I started watching information things a lot more, and then I started reading about the things that I wanted to know about and. And uh, spell predict on the phone, you know, when you spell predict on your phone, you know, when you go to type something and it'll spell the word out for you? Yeah. Well, if you don't spell it close enough to the word, it won't even recognize it. So then I used to just have to delete letters back and then reshuffle them like, oh, if it's not an E, it might be an I. Cause that's e- oh, uh, e- uh, and I used to just change things around until it recognised it. I'm like, oh, that's how you spell different, or that's how you spell achieve, or whatever it was. And yeah, that's how I learned. And now, so you just taught yourself this stuff? Yeah, man, I taught myself this stuff because, you know, when you get to a certain age of not being able to read, well, not being able to read, it's it's embarrassing, man. It's it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to have to deal with like not understanding things, asking for help all the time. Like, you know, you feel like feel like you like you you almost feel like you have a disability, you feel like you've lost an arm or, you know, you're blind in one eye because it's, it's, uh, things are hard. You know, you can't understand things. You can't fill out paperwork properly. You can't like, you know, when you're filling out something, I remember when I have to, used to have to put in my, you know, name, address and all that stuff in at the, ho- the doctors or something, it used to take me so long. Like I used to be like 10 minutes writing out all my stuff because I, it'd just be a struggle, a hassle for me. But now you know. Now I've got myself. Look, I'm never gonna be, a, you know, Stephen Hawking's or anything like that. I know that. But you know, I, I got myself to a point where you know I can understand things, and um, you know I can talk to many different people about many different subjects on many different levels, and kind of have a, a a good conversation with them about you know you know a lot of a lot of subjects. Uh, you know, I'm, I try and verse myself in a lot of subjects now. You know, politics and you know, finance and, you know, I do my best. I do my best. I'm not a professional at it, but, you know, I do my best to keep myself, um, keep my knowledge flowing now,
0: you know. So the crazy thing is, man, people can spend all their time reading books, but then you also have to learn other lessons, lessons in life that I think you learnt very young and things that you've experienced that you can only learn by going through them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a whole other experience in life than, than just what you can pick up off a textbook.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I've done, I've done multitude of different careers as all at the same time as boxing. So you know, I've, I've laboured as I've done labouring work. You know, I've worked in schools as an Aboriginal Education Officer for three years. I ran programs in a Coburn Detention Centre out here. Um, you know, I do now. I'm an artist. I do paintings and do workshops in at schools and youth work and mentoring and speaking and you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I've done the hard jobs like digging trenches and, you know, uh, concreting and, and you know, uh, rubbish removal collection and, you know, all these sort of jobs. And, you know, I've been around people with a lot of money. I've been in situations where I've had no money at all. I grew up in situations where I had no money at all. You know, I've, you know, I've travelled the world and, you know, I've been stuck with depression in the house. So, you know, I've done... You know I've done a lot, and you know i've I've mingled with a lot of people on a lot of different levels, and you know I seem to connect with a lot of people on a lot of different levels and you know that's that's all I care about you know I mean just having that connection with people and you know learning and trying to apply that to my own life and my own teachings and my own story and you know boxing has helped me so much, put me on that platform I don't think I would have been able to achieve or do anything that do anything as close as I have now without boxing in my life so I'm really thankful for that and you know it would always be a big part of my life and a part of my story and part of my journey and you know journey isn't over yet you know with this new team and with Dreamtime Fighters and and that you know and and Jared and Dreamtime Fighters and the whole team you know we, we've got some big things
0: coming and we're excited. Let's talk about your boxing career then because if people who haven't seen your box and I'm sure there's that's getting less and less. You, you're really making a name for yourself, but you're what 26 and 0,
1: 27, twenty six and 27 and oh, twenty seven and oh after
0: that last fight. Yeah,
1: and twenty six wins and one draw and eighteen knockouts yeah. now. So, and, going and good. A hell of a fighter,
0: but I guess, as you said, it's probably been a longer journey. As we said at the start, a bit a bit longer than it yeah probably should have been with the the promise you had coming through as a youngster. Yeah. So tell me about how it all started out. You went to the World Championships and then on to the Olympics. Tell me about those kind of early days in the ring.
1: Yeah, early days fighting uh, up in far north Queensland all over, you know, when I was uh, 13 and onwards, you know, fighting all up there in Cairns and Townsville and Charters Towers and Mackay and, you know, doing all them and... uh, yeah, I, I, I was a good little amateur as a kid and, and then when I got a little bit older to 16 sort of age, I'm like, oh, I want to go to the Olympics, you know. um, So that was a dream I had and then I, you know, around like 15, 16 and then I ended up moving away and kind of putting all the eggs in one basket and, you know, I come short a couple of times. I did, you know, as a, one of my amateur rivals who's a good mate of mine now, Luke Jackson. He, he beat me to make the Commonwealth Games in two thousand and. Six it was 2006 he beat me to make the Commonwealth Games there and uh he beat me another two times before that at uh, the national champs and then the uh, Olympic selections and and then uh you know I ended up getting through as the b-side and then fighting Jacko in the finals and at over at Oceanas and I come away with a victory there and made the 2008 Olympics and um yeah just Got to travel all over the world and fight some of the top guys and uh, experience that and been around that. I see a lot of people forget that. You know, they talk about fighting on the big stages and that. Like, I was fighting international since I was like seventeen, eighteen years old. You know, I was fighting over like Tyson Fury It was at at the World Juniors when I fought over in Morocco, and so was Lomachenko. Wow! Like, and, and then a couple of other guys that have become world champs and from America. I can't. Their names are. Uh, off the top of my head um he was a middleweight champ or super middleweight champ just recently but i've i forgot his name but um yeah he there was a few guys and you know i was james degale was over there all the billy joe saunders all these guys like i you know i i was out partying with them guys so i've been around these these top guys and seen them go go you know make the big time and that and yeah like like you said there was a lot a lot of promise and just a lot of, there was a bit of a a communication breakdown and a bit of stagnant. You know, sometimes teams just get stagnant and, uh, you know, a, a change is as good as a holiday that they, they say. So, you know, I was... You know, I'm away now. What's done is done and what's in the past is in the past. And then we're just focusing on the future. Me and uh, Jared and Dreamtime, and, you know, we're just, we're just focusing on, on what's to come, not what's happened behind and what the past is. But what was that uh, Olympic experience like? What was it like to go to a, to a Games... I'll tell you that the journey there was better than the actual making the Olympics. Just the journey there. Just, like, everything that you look back on your whole your whole life and everything. Because the Olympics is... Yeah, it's it's right. like it's just a blink of an eye. I, I end up losing the first fight to the guy who went through uh, and got the silver medal to Lomachenko. So... Um, You know, I was up and there was a close fight with him. So I was up there. I was one of the best, you know, top guys up there. You know, I I could have, if the draw went a little bit different and and if things went a little bit different, I could have meddled easy. but it's just how it goes it's just how it goes and and that's it but you know it was over really quick for me and it was a really tough country to go to china like no like no one understands a word of english it was just it was just really it was really difficult the people weren't really as as, as inviting as other countries i'd been to so yeah it just to me, the road getting there, everything I'd overcome in my life, and everything, all the sacrifices, and you know, losing three times and getting that last one and making it, and you know, doing so well overseas beforehand, like oh, I won a couple of tournaments overseas beforehand, and and you know, I, I went in the Olympics with real good positivity in that, and you know, just just missed the mark, but yeah, just that whole that whole journey was better than the actual Olympics. But the food was good over the Olympics. That so was good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine the food would have been good and the the, the time uh, outside of the actual events probably is a good time as well. But um, you are, as you, I mentioned at the start, an artist and you're still associated with the Olympics in this time around, uh, yeah. Tokyo 2021 now coming up. And tell me about the design that you've put together for... Uh, an indigenous artwork you did that's on the on the training kit, I believe. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. I was lucky enough to be. Uh, I'm i a part of the Indigenous Advisory Committee with Patrick Johnson and Nova Paris and uh, and a few other top guys. I'm, I can't. I'm going to uh, remember uh, Vanderkite and uh, Brad Hall and a, There's a few. very a heap of them on there. So i um, I'm part of that. Um, that advisory committee and then you know it it come up with the chance to do something that was going to be on the towels only and then because the olympics got delayed they kind of pushed it through to being on the uniform and uh, yeah i'm just really lucky it was it's a uh, the the piece kind of is about um everyone's individual journey to the olympics you know i did the green and gold colors because that's our colors you know it's we're famous for them colors and uh Yeah, it's just like a meeting place which was the Olympics and then all the people, everyone that's helped you on your journey and then there's footsteps leading to that centre place. And uh, yeah, that was my sort of take on it. You know, everyone has their own journey, their own story, their own, you know, their own um, road to getting to the Olympics and it's just celebrating everyone's road, you know, black, white, Whatever you are, you know, whatever sexuality, whatever colour, whatever race, whatever you believe in religion, we all had that common goal, which was the Olympics and, you know, we all had a path and you know, paying respect to it.
0: Yeah, that's unreal that they'll that'll be on the on the jerseys this year, on the on the uniforms so people can see that when the Aussies are representing our country. I think it's it's
1: it's like 50 what's it called 52 52 indigenous athletes yeah. so far yeah that, that they did, did the 52 footprints for the 52 indigenous athletes so yeah that's pretty cool and i'm, I'm one of them 52 so that's a that's a big achievement and you know i've, I've had some pretty cool achievements so far on my list and that but like i said it's not over and done with yet i've still got more to add and you know a world title is definitely on that on that um on that bucket list and, you know, I'm going to push for it as hard as I can now and, you know, with that with the team that I have and, you know, we, um, you know, that's our common goal that we got there and I'm lucky that I've just got such a supportive team behind me and, you know, the world's my oyster and we're going to push for it. Absolutely. I want to talk about uh, pushing for a world title
0: a sec, but while we're on the topic of art, talk me through the tattoos I love, yeah. I love i noticed when you're boxing and when you're in the ring there tattoos all across the back yeah. all down the arms yeah up the neck is there any particular one you like is there meaning to it any
1: yeah i'm I, I, you know what like some of them do have meaning some of them also represent like you know they take you back to a time that you may like you remember a the the year or the time frame where you got that tattoo and what your mindset was around when you got that tattoo and you know what it kind of you know maybe it doesn't represent anything like by looking at it but to you it can represent a time and it's honestly it doesn't matter what they represent to anyone else you don't get tattoos for well me personally I don't get tattoos for anyone else I I get them for myself and and you know I, I like them and i haven't got tattooed for a long time i keep having kids and they're way too expensive so they're way more expensive than tattoos but you know i've been meaning to go down to see my sponsor and uh in melbourne oculus tattoos and go down and get some tattoos from them guys but just about finding the time and that but yeah i want to get some reworked and some changed and that it's like you know maybe some laser and reworked and that'll just over the top of them and yeah, that's the thing. When you when you when you got a house, you can do renos in your house and knock down a wall and that. But when it's your skin, it costs a little bit more and it hurts a little bit more too. So, yeah. You mentioned the kids. You've got five. Are you done or what? Yeah, I think I'm done now. Unless we have an oopsie, then <laughs> unless we have an oopsie baby, I think I'm done. But if the oopsie baby isn't a girl, then. I don't know what I'll do. I'll, <laughs> Mate, five I'll boys, cry. that's a lot. Four boys. One four, girl, boys. Yeah, but if you boys. had one more boy, oh, yeah. Five, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nah, man, four boys. Yeah, yeah. Listen, two boys was enough, you know, and then we, me and the wife were like, oh, we'll go again and we'll hopefully get a girl and then we got a boy and I'm like, oh, no, we've got, th- we got three boys now and one girl. I never wanted that. <laughs> and we would be like, oh, we'll go again and we'll, there's no way we can get four boys in a row and then she jinxed us and i got another boy but he's super cute so i'll keep him he is good yeah, yeah he's a, he's sitting in his high chair there no he's he's, he's proper cute they all i love my kids and that and i'd never change it for the world would i've liked another girl in there somewhere bloody i thought of but you know that's the way the cookie crumbles and I, I believe i'm a strong believer in everything's meant to be how it's meant to be and you know, you you can you can sway the pendulum e- either way with your energy in this world, but you know, I was meant to have four boys, and I was meant to have them for a the reason, and maybe that reason is to breed four strong warrior leaders for the next generation. so, you know, that's what I'm setting out to do: is 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 um, you know, turn these young men into strong leaders and this young woman she's already a strong leader she scares me most of the time like, she's so like in a good way scares me sometimes you know she's very quick with her responses and knowing what she likes and and i kind of jump at it like kind of go to jump at it sometimes to squash it but i'm like what do you expect you know you're raising a strong young articulate woman like she knows what she wants and you know, that's what you're doing. You you you're raising her for that that way to be strong and and to know what she wants from a young age, and you know, so she she's able to relay that very well. I tell you that. So you know, I'm I'm proud of who she is, and I'm proud of my boys and where they are, and you know they're really good kind kids and got big hearts so that's all i care about there's a few things a few kick up the bums here and there but you know all in good all in good measure and trying to teach them to be you know the best men that they can be and best adults they can be and best women they can be and yeah learning from mine and my wife's mistakes and now our, our past and now you know trying to make a strong happy family
0: no well said brother i think you yeah, you should be proud of that, and that's that's all that matters if your kids grow up kind. What more can you do? Um, yeah. But you, you, you said before, world title. Uh, yeah. And moving forward with your
1: career now, how like you're, what, how old are you now? Thirty? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. I just turned 33. April 3rd, me and my daughter's birthday. So. Thirty-three.
0: So yeah. I guess what some people will say is, oh, has he left his run too late to, to have a crack? Your thoughts on that and why you think you can still push into that, that – World
1: title, I think age is just a number. Like people like to put it, put a number on it. But you look at people like I know, I know, I'm picking like a one off thing. But look at Bernard Hopkins. You know he fought up until he was close to fifty, didn't he? Forty, forty eight or forty nine or something like that. Like you know, when I'm only you're saying that thirty three. Like last fight, I was in the best shape of my life, Me- mentally and physically. I was in the best shape of my life at thirty three. I had, I had. Uh, there was one stage, yeah, I was 3.8% body fat, you know, through my camp multiple times and I, and I, and there's a few guys, fighters, I, I, I sent my, m- me standing on the scales at 4% body fat on the scales and a few guys can, uh, can, can back me up with that because I sent it to them and that's me at 33 years old, like. And like I said, I'm a strong believer, and everything happens for a reason. Then maybe I wasn't ready at 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Maybe I wasn't ready at that age. Maybe I'm ready now when I'm meant to be ready. And um, yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm, you know, I live a clean, healthy life. I don't mind a bit of junk food and a bit of chocolate here and there and that. But you know, I don't go out partying. Uh, I, I don't. I don't go out drinking. I don't do any sort of that stuff. I just. I, I, I live for my family, I train, I live a healthy life, um, I overindulge sometimes, but hey, everyone's going to have their poison, but, you know, uh, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling fit, I'm feeling focused, I'm feeling, you know, tunnel vision, tunnel vision. Tunnel vision, and you said,
0: you know, you've had times where you haven't been that active in your career, mm. but you said you wanted to fight maybe four times this year, like, is that, is that the brightest the fire's ever burnt for you, to be that
1: driven now? I think in a long time. I think when I had that, that when it, when you don't have five kids and when you're only worrying about yourself and when you when you can be selfish and you know treat everyone like shit and and have no worries about it just because you're a selfish athlete, you know you always got that a little bit more of that fire. But um, it's back. It's back hundred percent. It's a different fire, but it's a fire of you know the sacrifice that my family's gone through, I've got to make that pay off now, you know, everything that I put them through, um, you know, to show that I'm thankful for the help and support and, and that of my sponsors and Dreamtime Fighters and Jared, like, you know, I owe, what I owe Jared, you know, and Dreamtime Fighters, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't explain the gratitude I have, you know, I'd still be sitting at home doing nothing and, uh, I'm really thankful for that and I always will be and, uh, yeah, just, You know, I got something to prove for myself, and you know, like I say a lot of the times, I feel like I I, carry—I live my life like I carry my ancestors and my family on my shoulders, and everything I do is to, you know, is to prove that, you know, I'm not going to be another statistic, I'm not going to be another number, I'm not going to be another, you know, juvenile or you know, an adult domestic violent. Like I'm not going to be another thing of that. My my family sacrificed too much. And my ancestors and my people, my indigenous people, literally died and fought for hundreds of years for me to even have the ability to to get on the TV and fight and do a shake leg and say a funny quote and, and, and to get people liking me on Facebook and buying my merch, like, you know, buying some shirts of me. You know what I mean? I, if a few things went differently, we may not be in this situation that we're in now you know and that's all attributed to everyone that fought so hard for us to even call ourselves and have pride in calling ourselves aboriginal and uh so i carry that in everything i do and everything that i try and do and and try and be that positive that positive role model and try and break that stigma and yeah let's let's and, talk
0: about the, your indigenous heritage and i myself obviously a proud indigenous man but first i want to uh, talk about the your walk to the ring. Yep. So if anyone's seen it and they haven't seen it, go on just YouTube, Paul yeah. Fleming, uh, Ring Walk. There's two now. There's two. Yeah, yeah there's no, two. Yeah. So you, I think the first time you rolled it out was at, at Bank West. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the... Uh, when you fought uh, Bruno. Bruno yeah. Tremo, yeah. yeah.
1: That was on the Mark Hunt, Mark Paul Hunt, Gallen, Gallen, and yep. then Tim Zhu versus the New Dennis Zealand. Dennis Hogan. Oh, no, no, no it, the look, New Zealand guy. Yeah, Bo Morgan, yeah. and Morgan,
0: And then uh, uh, recently against uh, Tim Zhu versus Dennis Hogan. But tell me about the Walk to the Ring, if anyone's seen it. You come out with the Indigenous dances, yeah, you're shaking the leg. One, yeah,
1: it's, I don't think you even had young Indigenous kids there with yeah, you that, that, in, in Newcastle. One, yeah, 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 the second They were from Klontarf up there. yeah. Yep. they come out and walked us out and you know the fir- the first one was a big like i don't know a lot of people so many people i think it's got a few million views on it and uh i think that's going to be a really cool point where people are going to look back in and and follow like look at look back in history at at times where things have stood out and i think that's a big thing that stands out and you know and it's not just about you know it's not just about empowering Indigenous people. It's about empowering Australians as well and, and making them feel part of it. And, and I, I couldn't tell you how many non-Indigenous people have messaged me saying how good that is and how good it was and how amazing it was. And how, and that's what I'm trying to do is to, to form unity. Like, I, I love how New Zealand do it. How New Zealand do it with the Maori people is the creme de la creme. That's the top of the top. And all I'd like to see is us get to that level where we're we we're celebrating Indigenous people, Indigenous cultures, um, and it's just it's just an integrated part of Australian society. And you know that's what I try and do with my walks and, and and you know get the conversation started, you know getting getting everyone talking about it, going oh that was really good. And I'm a real approachable dude, like you know I talk and you know I'm I'm confident, but. Confident, but not overly cocky, and um, and um, you know, I kind of look at it like this, you know. If we focus too much of the negative things in the past. You're never going to change people's opinions with negative and just throwing negativity up in people's faces. You know, I, I, whenever I talk or whenever I do something, I, I make it a point to let people know about these issues that may not know about it. But my main thing is not to focus on that. My main thing is to focus on the positivity around myself and what I'm trying to do and, and, and the positive message. You know, look, we do have these problems, we do have these issues, but, you know, we can overcome them. I know a lot of people that have overcome them. And for me just to be here and not be, you know, a drug addict or dead or, you know, in, in, in and out of jail is just a credit to to that story as well that you can come from a pretty crap situation and and hey you may not have a million dollars and a big rolls royce in a house but just being here and and being a successful integrated part of society is 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 a big uh, a big achievement for some people tell me about that advocacy then you you say you're all about
0: the positivity and i think that's a really unique especially in the way that you're brought up I and mean, you're a fighter like you, yeah. you're you're designed by your very nature is to attack and come forward and but then you're so placid in the way that you approach how you I guess battle with people outside of the ring like if you're trying to change someone's mind your your first approach isn't oh I'll knock you
1: out with a metaphorical punch or I'm going to get angry, it's to go calm, I I find that quite contradicting. Well you know what, it's never always been like that, you know if you go back on some of my, listen, some of my you know when the memories come up on Facebook I swear if you go back on a few of them you'll see a lot of of points where I was uh, approached situations a lot different than I do now and that's a form of growth you know what I mean, that's a form of growing and learning and you know, talking, man, talking to people. I've talked to a lot of people. I've, I've talked to a lot of people on my side, a lot of people on the other side, a lot of people in the middle, a lot of people don't really know where to stand on this subject and a lot of – and it's the, this is just one subject. You know, this is a subject that affects us here in Australia, but there's a, there's a – I talk about – I talk to a lot of people about a lot of different subjects, socially, environmentally, uh, like religiously, all, all different – categories all worldwide about everything and uh i think that's how you get that sort of that grounding sort of thing that I realize like hey you know you have an issue here but on the whole scheme of things you know there's a lot of people with a lot of issues and a lot of people in a lot of a lo- lot of worse situations than i than i'm in now you know what i mean and uh it kind of brings you down to earth and kind of brings me a lot of grounding and um yeah, I've learned a lot I've learned a lot over the past few years about myself and since that that's that thirty, man. That thirty was the big thirty was the big changing point for me, man. I I went for a lot of things. I faced a lot of demons, man. I went deep on a lot of things. I went to the I went to the edge of the darkness. I seen the devil. When you say that, what do you what do you mean? Like what what pushed you to that point? just a lot of things come down in my life. A, a lot of things, I, you got to realise, I've, I've had a goal and a focus ever since I was like 13 years old. It was wake up, train, box, train, box, train, box. And then I got older, feed myself, train, box, work, train, box, feed myself, train, box, 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 train, box. So that's all it's ever been is make sure I'm living, train and fight. And then I come to a stage where I wasn't doing that and I come from a stage where I wasn't working much at the time. And then, you know, I come to the stage where I've got five, f- four kids, we're well now five kids, and then no family. Like, we get no help. We get no days away. We get no grandparents or anything coming and taking the kids and while well, we do stuff. Like, it's just me and my wife. And then, you know, you, you add all that in with, like, you know, me going through a big, like, 30 big mental health change. Like, 30 hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Like, I never had mental health and then a few things just weren't going my way and then it just compiled man just compiled and the pressures of you know not being that providing male that that you think you should be and not being the best dad you could be and 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 not having direction and and then struggling and and then just these dude once you get on that roll on them monsters in the closet them them shadows man they get darker and darker and then uh you know, I end up pulling myself out of that, and um, you know, with the help of a few, few, with the help of Jared and that. If I, if I you know, I, I would have struggled a lot more if I didn't have the boxing to to look forward to. So, you know, that's why I I'm so thankful for Jared and Dreamtime Fighters for what they've done. But you know, there's a lot of lot of demons I had to come overcome and facing a lot of the stuff that we were talking about as a kid, like my the domestic violence and a lot of my behaviours and how I react in situations and how how closed off I can be at times to the people that I love and and all these realising, like, you ain't all that in a bag of chips and, you know, you say you fight for your family and and if your family ain't happy at home and if you ain't, like, you know, for instance, the training camp that just went and it didn't, it went great, the training camp went great, but, you know, I, I could have, I could have made the home environment a little bit better, and then this, this time is a big a big thing that I'm trying to do within my camps is, you know, happy at home, happy in the camp, and have, you fight, happy you're happy everywhere. So, I've got to make the home environment a little bit more happier. And listen, if I can if I can teach myself to read and achieve what I've achieved, that's nothing. So, yeah, it's just a, just just growth, man. Just it's all
0: it is is growth. Did you get professional help with that, or was it just about conversations that you would have and, and uh, opening up more?
1: Nah, I didn't get professional help. I'm just, uh, I feel a lot of times that I'm, I feel like I'm an alien a lot of times. Like there's no one, I just feel so unique that there's no one that thinks like me. There's no one on the level that I'm on. I'm just. <laughs> It's crazy. It's, I'm telling you, it's crazy in this head, man. This head goes at a million miles an hour, and it's only at this later age that I'm realizing about how I'm realizing how crazy my head was as a kid, and how crazy my head was as a teenager, and how crazy my head was as an early twenties, and and that. And anyone that's known me through them periods will listen. Anyone that's known me through them periods of my life, from birth to now, will tell you that I'm. I'm full on, like I'm a full on dude and and that's another thing too, like, you know, realising that you don't have to please everyone. Realising that you're not everyone's cup of tea. That's a big thing that I realised, dude, like man, I'm not my wife's cup of tea a lot of the times and <laughs> and she loves me and we got five kids and I'm like, you can't expect everyone to like you. You can't even expect that you know, you me myself, there's people that I don't vibe with and I'm okay with it. But I'm not okay with it with people not vibing with me and that's a big realization that I had to come up with like hey dude you're full-on you can't handle yourself sometimes like there's going to be times where people ain't going to handle you and and that's okay and yeah it's it's man it's growth dude it's growth and being open to growth that's the that's that's a big thing that I tell people you got to be open man like that's that saved my life is being open being open to to being wrong being open to know that you know you you're not right all the time, you know. Being open to realizing that people have different upbringings and lives and situations and feelings, and they're gonna be, they're gonna have different, they're gonna come to different conclusions to to you, and that's perfectly fine and okay. And that's a big thing that I've come to realize in my later age to be okay with things.
0: Was it? There- I mean, it sounds like you've just had this epiphany of life and everything's kind of clicked for you. But, like, was this all something that happened overnight? Or,
1: like, you know, how did this all just click for you at 30? Uh, I it was a series of things, man. It was a series of things that went on and... and um it was yeah, it was just like an avalanche of things really. Like it was one thing after another after another and just light bulbs started going off and like oh okay, oh okay, oh okay and yeah, I guess it's just like you said, experiencing these different things, you know, having all these different experiences gives you a better understanding on how things work and how different opinions and yeah, different different things work, you know, just the life experience. And you, I guess, you want people to take that advice then. And- I mean, take it or don't take it. You know, I'm just like, it's right for me. And I, and that's the thing. Like, what's right for me, what's works for me, everyone finds themselves in their own time. And some people don't, some people struggle to find themselves. And I think we've got to realize in this day and age that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay that people are going to struggle. This world ain't. This world isn't easy for some people. Some people ain't given the the skill set and the opportunities that we ha- we have, and that we overlook every day. You know, we the educate like you know, not everyone has that that family environment that pushes them, and 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 some people don't have that mental capacity. And I think we're so quick to judge a person on how they are, how they how they. How they don't fit into this society as is wrong. Well, you know, this society only caters to a small percentage of people. We have got to realise that there's other people going through their own things and have had their own life experiences. Like they like, like they tell you now that the, the the trauma and stuff that you can uh, that you experience as a as a as a baby and that can change your whole chemicals in your brain, the whole way your brain chemical your brain chemicals work. So you know we don't know what things that these people have seen in these children, and then youth working man, like experiencing that and realizing that you know I've gone through stuff, but there's people out there that have kids that have gone through a lot of terrible things, and them terrible things that them kids experience it it shapes them as adults, and uh you know it's scary, man, it's scary out there, you know the things that people go through and now, we're so quick to judge we're so quick to look at this person and 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 you know cast the first stone but we, we we don't know what people have been through and you know just a little bit more understanding and that's what what I try and do you know
0: talk to me about uh we talked about mental health but about physical health like obviously boxing is a f- a very demanding sport it takes such a toll on your body on your on your head with the the hits and the contact how do you look at it in a world that's so much more now aware of the effects that you know, cop and punches to the head can
1: take. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Listen, I'm fortunate that um, I, I don't have that sort of a style where I take a lot of damage. Um, some guys just naturally they just, they just naturally take shots and they can take shots and they get stuck in a routine of being able to take them shots and that whereas you know i'm fortunate that i have this fighting style where you know i'm, I'm harder to hit and i don't get hit clean but if it ever come to a stage where i felt like it was affecting me there wouldn't it wouldn't take me two seconds to to pull the plug on it because yeah boxing is a small window of your life like you know what i mean uh, i've got I'll probably have more time outside a boxing than I will inside a boxing, and I want that time outside a boxing to be, you know, I still want to learn, I still want to be able to communicate with my kids and my grandkids, and hopefully, great grandkids, and and um, you know, be able to learn to the day I die. Um, so that's a big that's a big thing in my, my life, and if I ever found uh, a point where I feel my um my my brain ca- capacity was being um inhibited then then there's there it wouldn't take me two seconds to go get a scan you know but i feel i'm sharper than ever like i feel Sound like. <laughs> i feel like i'm sharper than ever you just man. have an awakening now brother you get smarter. i know i'm smart. getting I'm, I'm like a fine wine you know i'm getting i'm getting better with age i'm i'm learning more and you know it's 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 um it's good. It's it's a good time now. It's a good time to be me now. I'm real happy with where I am and where my family is, and we're growing, and and um, we're pursuing, and you know we're kicking goals, and and uh, I got a few other things outside of boxing that i have getting my fingers into, and and uh, I won't talk about them until they're all done and that, but uh, you know my merch, I'm, I'm getting my finger out with that and starting to. Push that out and, uh, yeah, got a few other things, some mentoring roles, some art stuff and schools and programs and that that I got doing and just got to try and balance it. That balance, man, that's a, hard, that's a tough one, man, like balancing that out between, you know, boxing, work. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, family, man, like i tell you one thing about family, dude, like having such a big family, you got to be everything to everyone at all times and then the more people – you have in your family the more variety of things they want you to be yeah. you know you got to be a you got to communicate I got to communicate with six people in different ways yeah yeah you know i, mean, I got to be a about that. S- six people communicate with me in six different ways they want six different ways of interacting with me they 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 vent in six different ways they communicate they, they want love in six different ways and then you still got to have time for yourself because you got to realize that a lot of people don't realize that you're the captain of the ship, of your family, of your home, if you're a boss, if you're a leader of a team, if you're, if you're a captain, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, you're the leader. So if you're not right, your whole squad, your whole team, your whole family, they feel it and they suffer. So if you're not giving yourself the TLC that you need, if you ain't empowering yourself, if you ain't right mentally or physically, if you're not right your whole team's going to suffer and whatever team that may be boss whatever footy team everything
0: well yeah you're you're so right I might. You gotta you gotta give yourself
1: the TLC Uh, man and then that's when you get your best your best work done. When you're happy, when you're at full energy, when you're revitalized and you do the things and you take that time for yourself and you know, you go to the movies and take that time to relax and you come back just that little bit more revitalized, you're better, you perform better, you speak better, you interact better, you do everything better, your work's better, you ask better questions, your materials better, everything, you edit better, whatever it is that you're doing. When you're at 100%, your work comes out 100%. And a lot of people put themselves on the back burner to their work. Oh, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. You're putting out shit quality because you're not putting yourself first. You're not being the best dad you can be because you haven't put yourself first in this situation for two seconds. That's all it takes to recharge that battery. Just that decision to go, hey, I'm going to take this time to... Go to the movies. I'm gonna take this time to go have a drink with the boys, or whatever it is you do. I don't drink, but I'm just saying, whatever it is to recharge your batteries, make sure you're doing it because you're gonna come back better and stronger. You said you don't drink. Have
0: you never drunk, or is it? I've
1: drank before. I've drank before. Um, you know, I've done a lot of things before in my life, and uh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy with where I'm at now that I. Um, you know, I'm I'm one of the lucky people that realises that alcohol don't work with them. A lot of people don't can't don't make that distinction, and then I've I've realised from a young age. But I think I just continued doing it. I was never a big drinker, never at all. But when I drink, I don't have that the ADHD. I'm in a competition with myself. It's weird. It's like my wife always goes, "You're always like." You're always the loudest. You're always the biggest energy. You're always the loudest, and the, and the, you always drink the most, or you always party the hardest, and, the, and I'm like, I don't mean, I don't mean it. Yeah, it's just that's just the only gear you got. I've only uh, got one yeah. gear, and yeah. it's like yeah. whenever them energies are there, I have to. I, I unknowingly subconsciously have to be the biggest energy and it's not like I try hard and anyone knows me I don't try you know a lot of people seen the interview and seen that and, and a lot of my mates and people that know my mates are like you know Flemo, you know that poor Fleming Boxer guy he's is he really like that? Like, And they go, dude, ever since I've known him, since since he was a kid, he's exactly the same. So, you know, I'm thankful, you know, I'm the same. I've learned a lot more and I've matured a lot more and, you know, I can make big boy decisions now. I wear my big boy pants, but, you know, at heart, I'm still the same dude. So. Yeah. Well, I, I know you've,
0: as you said, you've got your family and you've got a lot to uh, contend with. So I won't keep you much longer. We like to just do a little bit of fun at the end yep. with these podcasts, ask you a few more random questions. Yeah. Uh, so. If you could change sports and be the best at any sport other than boxing, what sport would you choose?
1: Rugby league, playing for the Maroons. Playing for the Maroons. All right. a true Queensland boy. That that was (laughs) my number one dream as a kid was to play for the Maroons, man. I would always – you know, everyone started growing big, and I stayed skinny. So I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe do another sport. But um, no, I've always, always wanted to play for the Maroons. Always. Mate,
0: all the footballers want to be boxers these days. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know <laughs> no.
1: no, I welcome them. They bring they bring a different um, a different audience to to the boxing, and it's good. It's good. It's good for boxing. You know, I just wish we got paid the same amount as them guys. Well, like, like, you can if you uh, you become one of the Oh, you know, well, the yeah, big that's, it, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to yeah. do. That's what I'm trying to do. Who was your favourite
0: rugby league player growing up then?
1: Oh, my favourite rugby league player. I liked um, I like Wendell Saylor and I liked Steve Renoff. Yep. And Peachy, but oh, Matt, but when I got a little bit older, Matty Bowen. Matty was Bowen. My favorite. Yeah, yeah. Matty course. Bowen was electric, man. Every time he touched that ball, you just didn't know. And him, Matty Bowen, and and JT, they just pull stuff out of nowhere. Matty Bowen's intercept in the in the uh, in the grand final and golden point. Yeah. Oh man, I Jordan, love that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, Matty Bowen, probably my favourite. Player of all time.
0: Who is the uh, most famous person you've met over
1: the years? um, What's his name? I met... Um, who's a guy out of? Um, he's an American actor. He's a guy out of Vince, Va- Vince Vaughn. You met Vince Vaughn. I, yeah. Listen to this. Love this Vin- is I the, love Vince Vaughn. This is the craziest story. It was over at the Olympics in China. Yeah. And I was walking along the Great Wall of China because I'd lost. <laughs> I'd lost, and I was doing my touristy thing. So I was walking along and being like Aussie. Like I swear, you get more Aussie when you go overseas, or maybe yeah, because. And I, I've never said. Listen, I've never said how's it going in my life until I went over. Overseas, and I'm like, oh, true blue. How's yeah, it going? Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I, I turned into the most Aussie's person ever when I go overseas. But anyway, we're walking along, and this thick American accent popped out of nowhere. And me and me and another person who I was with, uh, we looked at each other at the same time, and we were like, I know that voice. And turned around, and it was bloody Vince Vaughn wow. and on the Great Wall of China over at the Olympics <laughs> the most random thing and he was hu- he was huge I come up to like his boob like yeah. oh, he was he's a big guy he's a big man yeah. he was a big sweaty man too because it was like <laughs> it was I was like oh, ah yeah. well he's like it's Vince Vaughn you can sweat on me but yeah no that was a that was probably he's probably the most famous person I've ever met in that but I'm not really into famous people eh? Hey? like it is what it is. It's cool to be like, wow, you live a completely different life to me. <laughs> like, you can have anything you want. And you've got big houses and maids and stuff. That's crazy. But other than that, you know, it looks like it's more – it's harder than being a normal person. Being a famous yeah, person looks right. looks yeah. so hard. More man. money, more problems, they say. Man, it looks so hard. They look so stressed out. and. They look, they look like they're on the edge all the time. Whereas me, I just sit back on my couch and I got no worries except for the boys punching on, and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> Vince Vaughn on the Great Wall of China—that will be
0: tough to top. Like that, I ask everyone that question. That's pretty. That's, that's tough. Pretty. That's and we've like we've had someone meet. Uh, we had Preston Campbell on uh, the footballer, and he he's met the Queen, which is she's the probably Queen. more famous than Vince Vaughn. But I think the fact that you have met him on the Great Wall of China.
1: At the Olympics, at the Olympics, the Olympics, makes it
0: a bit more like you get extra points for like a venue. I think.
1: And it was and it was him over like what's Vince Vaughn doing in China during the Olympics on the Great Wall? Like what?
0: And he would stand out like a sore thumb too. That, that that's voice, I mean, yeah. that and American, the height
1: too, that American voice. Reverberated off every crevice of the Great Wall, and I was like, What? That doesn't sound right. And it was Vince Vaughn. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, just finally, uh, superstitions
0: do you have any things that you have to do before fights? Things you have to, nah, no
1: superstitions. When when I was a kid, I think I did, but I just, I'm a a true believer in like that positivity and that we control our own destiny and we can manifest. it we can manifest our reality through positivity and positive thinking so I don't believe that there's any superstition that can like Play a role in whether I win or whether I don't win. I think I control that and to the best of my abilities. Obviously, my opponent controls that as well. You know, it's who has the biggest will, who's trained the hardest, who's done the most work. I don't think there's any magic. But if there was magic, I got the black magic because I'm <laughs> Aboriginal. So, no. But um, like I think I control it. I think I control my own my own magic or my own destiny. And yeah, nah, no superstitions here.
0: You know, you're the first athlete we've had on that does not have a superstition. All got them. All got them. Not even like a left glove goes on first or anything like that.
1: No, man. Nothing. Nothing. I do actually, I do the same. It's not a superstition. Like, I don't feel like if I don't do this, I'm not going to win. But I do the same thing. Every fight, like I never look the my opponent in the eyes. That's one thing. Okay, but I, I and I kind so of like in the in the ring we're talking or, in the ring. Yeah. Like when so we go when touch, touch gloves, gloves? No, never I, I never look, look at him in the eye when he touch gloves. I never look at him in the eye in in the ring before the fight until we fight. Okay, yeah, that's that's something that I've I've done that ever since I was an amateur. But it ain't no superstition about it. It's thing. just like something I do. Like, yeah, something that's something that I do every single fight since I was a kid and. Yeah, I can't even remember the first time I did it. That's how long ago it is. But is that a is that a, a, a blackfella thing? I know blackfellas, you know, don't know, like, you know don't look each other in the eye. A lot. I just think, I just think, like fighters love to get in your head by staring you down. Yeah, and then they like even if they, even if they don't believe, they can kind of get something out of it by like staring you down and like, oh, he blinked. Or like, whereas I don't even give him the chance to. I don't even look at them You can look at the top of my head. Like I'm not going to even give you any. <laughs> Any, I'll look at you when I want to look at you. Yeah. Sort of thing like I got control. So right now I'm choosing not to look at you, and that's my choice. And I'm not giving you a choice. You can look wherever you want, but I'm choosing. That's why way I think of it. There's no superstition. There's no black magic behind it. That's just that's just mentally where I am in my head. But yeah. There you go.
0: Well. Paul Showtime Fleming, we look forward to uh, seeing who you don't look in the eye next.
1: Yeah.
0: Who are you up against next and back, love to see you back in the ring. Hopefully, I'll, I'm in there afterwards chatting to you after another victory. And Appreciate it, mate. get to see another one of those dances. Yeah, love the, thank love you. the dance
1: after the last thank, one. Thank you very much. And I uh, appreciate you making the trip out here and out to, to Penrith. What a cracker day it yeah, is, is too. Vi- listen, if you had visuals out here, it's like a – and even the temperature. How's the temperature? It's like – warm but got that little bit in the air which cools you off it's a beautiful sunny day yeah we're out here in the park having a chat and spending some good time spreading some good vibes and you know yeah look forward to for you to all seeing me and send me your messages and send me your support and yeah you know i'll try and reply to everyone that i possibly can and i always do and if you if you if you got the spare coin cops some merch from the from my uh, for my Instagram pull Showtime time pull show time get the stuff from yeah yeah man that's a, that's my that's my page and uh, you can get all the links on there and yeah look just keep in contact and share my stuff around when you can and get the message out there because what I'm trying to do is bigger than me you know this is just a platform and you know I'm using it to the best of my ability and uh to spread a message so give me a hand in that and yeah thanks heaps guys and thanks for your support well said brother thanks for coming on thank you take care
0: Thanks for listening, guys. We've got plenty more episodes coming your way very soon. Don't forget to follow the Refuse to Lose podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We look forward to talking to you again soon.